Hello, hello. Welcome everybody to Personal Life Coach 2's podcast. My name is Ebony Glover. I'm a counselor, a clergy, and a new republic in the state of California. And today I want to talk to you about a living revocable trust. We aren't always educated about that. And we don't always understand what that is. So let's talk about that and see why it's important. Have you heard of a living revocable trust? If you have, you're ahead of the game and um, I hope you have one. So revocable living trust. First disclosure, I am not an attorney and I recommend you consult with an attorney if you have any questions about a living revocable trust. I am simply here to educate you about a living revocable trust and how I may assist you as a notary public. In the state of California, I've seen many wills. I've seen revocable living trusts. I have the ability to notarize them. But right now, today, I want to educate you about them. So let's talk about it. So when you have a child, what happens? Or what happens when my spouse and I die? Nobody really wants to talk about that. But we have to. So every state's, well, I've heard, I have a will. What do I need a living revocable trust for? So in the state of California, and in many other states, it's weak, it's expensive, contingency plan. A will really doesn't have much power. And I'll explain it to you as we talk more about a living revocable trust. So let's say even you and your spouse have a nice will. Everything is laid out. Conveying your entire estate to your children. And if you own real estate, right? A lot of us do. We want to know what that means. What does that entail? What do I have to do? So if you own real estate that you want to transfer to someone when you die, the only way those wishes get fulfilled is through a process called probate. Now, where is probate? You've probably heard of that term before. Probate, probate. It's at the courthouse. There's a probate court. Every city, county has a probate court. What is its purposes? Well, it's there also to protect the state and to generate revenue themselves. So probate court is a tedious and costly process that has to go through a court system. And decisions are ultimately up to who? Not you, not if it's at probate court. You guessed it, it's the judge. What, so you mean if I have a will and my property goes to probate, the judge still gets to make decisions? Accurate. So the right judge appointed by the government of the state. That judge has final say as to what happens to your estate, your real estate, custody of your children. As you probably say, well, again, I have a will. That judge will honor my wishes and everything carried out exactly as it's laid out in that will. Right? Is that what you think? Well... Unfortunately, in probate court, 
the judge is the law. Who is the law for? The law has substantiating things. Okay? So think about, I have an example. You may have heard some stars that may have died. And you've heard maybe family members went back and forth over court, over child, grandparents for the child. I can remember um, Michael Jackson. I don't know this for sure. But sometimes if there is not a living revocable trust, then families go to court. They go to probate court to say who gets that child or who gets the estate. So there's numerous examples of probate court. Every day that do not reflect the desires and wishes of the deceased. You can probably think of that with friends or maybe your own family. And you think about why weren't their, their, their wishes honored? Why? There was no living revocable trust. So not only does the court's attorney involved take a significant percentage of the state value, think about your estate value, and they're getting a percentage of that. Just because there was no living revocable trust. You know, I thought in the past how how attorneys are making so much money, you know, handling relatively small cases. Not everybody is a criminal attorney, you know. I have attorneys that a neighbor. And I'm thinking, you know, how, how is she making so much money? Liking to handle, you know, relative small cases. Well, I can remember in the state of Virginia, when I closed on my house in Virginia, the attorney over there handled all the closing. So you go in front of the attorney. They're signing all, closing your documents. And guess where else they can go? They can go to probate court for that same estate if there is no living revocable trust, okay? Some attorneys write wills for a few hundred bucks. Um, Sometimes you can find that. They'll say, sure, you know, come on in. I'll do your will for you as your wishes and charge you just a couple hundred dollars, three hundred dollars or so. But what happens when that person dies? What happens? People are grieving, people are upset, and so they're not sure what to do. They go back. The family goes back to that law firm that drafted and maintained the will. And then the course, of course, they're brought in back into probate court. So what does court have? You know court. If you go into court, there's fees, any type of fees, filing fees, court fees, and those fees increase and increase and increase. That stuff ain't fun. Who wants to pay that? I don't like going to no court. Well, I know that the attorney fees are costly. No one wants to talk about death, um, especially this time. Everybody's doing their best to take care of themselves and be healthy. And I wish that on everybody to be healthy. And so nobody wants to talk about dying or the death of our loved ones. Well, however, we all know that we all pass away. And it's important to be prepared for it, even if it happens unexpectedly. So remember, a living revocable trust is extremely important if you have dependents 
loved ones. And it's one way to have the courts, government, and the judge not involved when you die. Is to have a revocable, a living revocable trust. It's important. And a lot of people I know, I have family members, some live back east and some are down south. And they're, what is a living revocable trust? What do I need to have a will for? What do I need to have a trust for? I have everything right here. When I pass away, they know where this house is going. Well, if you don't want the courts involved and you don't want attorneys involved, and you don't want the government digging into your property and estate. It's simple and it's easier than you think to have a living revocable trust. So I'm going to explain how you think of a living revocable trust. Think of it as a high secure safe that has all your valuables in it. Your rings, your papers, how you want your advance directed to be meaning your medical decisions made by whom? So if the hospital does not have advanced directive from you, the hospital makes their own decision. They don't have to decide what anybody says. They're going to make those decisions. So think about those documents, that jewelry, your favorite jewelry you want to hand down, your family heirlooms. They're in that big safe. Okay, this high secure safe. So the safe and its contents to the safekeeping to whomever you appoint is in charge of your safe. So if I say my son Jamari is in charge of the safe, then he's in charge of that safe. You are considered the truster now as long as you're alive and well. Okay. You also name yourself as one that is in charge of the safe. You hold the master key. Think about that master key. What's master key do? It opens all the doors. So you're the trustee for your own safe and its content. So you're the truster and the trustee while alive. Now you choose what you want to put in it and what you take out of it. That means you can make changes to the trust anytime you want to. You hold that master key. So you want to make sure that it's valuable to you inside that safe. Okay? I know I have a little safe and my valuables are in there. And you only want to make sure the one who you designate knows about that safe. Okay? So make sure everything that is valuable to you is in the, inside that safe, that living revocable trust. Otherwise, it could be unprotected. You want to choose who you give that spare key to. If you decide you want to change that person or a person to have access to it, then you can take that key back or simply rekey that valuable safe. So if I want to make changes to my living revocable trust, I can do that. I have the power to do that. So as long as you're alive and well, it's a special say to the government allows you to have certain characteristics that associate with you. But that is also separate from you. It's essentially its own identity. 
but with clearly defined officers in charge of its operation. That's the trustees. So you're in charge of them. Think about how the church is in charge of the trustees. So you have the ability to transfer the title of your real estate into the name of this safe and the lender. And tax collectors know that you're in charge of the safe, so they're not going to have a problem with that. So what happens when you die? That's the big question. Now that we know what this high secure safe is, what's in this living revocable trust, what happens? Well, while you were alive, you named yourself and possibly your spouse if married as a trustees of this state. But you also named a primary successor trustee in the case that you died as well as your backup. Say your spouse passed away with you or shortly after. You have a successor trustee. So also what happens when you die, instead of having to go to the courts and getting involved and going through that long, costly probate process with the fate of your state being in the hands of a complete stranger judge, instead, the successor trust you named simply receives a master key and now has control of your estate and everything that is in it okay so think about that think about that safe that high safe what's in it do you have jewelry in it um, did you kind of designate who you want that jewelry to go to you know I've looked at a living revocable trust I have one and you know I have some valuable jewelry and who I want my jewelry to go to you know go to my daughter and so that's going to be important. That can be spelled out. And, you know, what certain carvers somebody might have. They might want to give that to your son. Some people have deeded resorts. That should also be in a living revocable trust. That resort. You know, you have a deed to resort. That's important. I'm going to put that in the living revocable trust. I want that to be left to my other son. You want to make sure that that is spelled out. So inside of that trust is a charge of executing your wishes as laid out in your will. So in that, you have the advanced directive, you have your will. All those is tied into the trust. So did you understand? The living revocable trust has the advanced directive and the will tied into it. So that means you've spelled everything out. Where your estate goes, I would want somebody, my children, to have my estate, my car, my, my rings, my jewelry, and they don't have to go to probate court. Probate courts are state by state. So if you have property in other states as well, um, such as we do in the state of Virginia and the state of Florida, it is also imperative that those deeds are transferred into the name of the trust. Otherwise, they will need to be probated as well. So a lot of people think, you know, oh, I'll just have, put their names on the deed and that's it. No. 
No, it's going to be important that you have a living, revocable trust. Or they're still going to have to go to probate. So another wonderful thing about a living, revocable trust is that they are so simple to set up, relatively inexpensive. And so, especially if you own real estate and you have children, there's almost no reason, no reason not to have a living revocable trust set up. There are reasonable ones um, I've seen on the internet. And the one that I love, I've done for more than one individual, is a Susie Orman's Will and Trust Kit. Now, I'm not here advertising for her. I'm just stating that I've seen that one more than once because everything is laid out in there. It's pretty easy to plug in the names. Uh, she has a website. I believe it is financialsolutions.susieorman.com. I know I have seen the revocable, the living revocable trust, the willed advanced directives, all in it for $69. Um... There are other ones that are online. You can go on the Law Depot. I've seen WW Law Depot online forms, livingtrust.com. Um, so the Law Depot does them. Again, take the time to plug in your names, secure your assets, secure and feel safe and know where your belongings are going and that they're not going to probate. Another common one that people might know of is the Rocket Lawyer. Um, I believe that website is www.rocketlawyer.com forward slash livingtrust.com. Sorry. So California has some uh, websites. So again, let me back up and I will give you these websites because I'm here to educate you and give you some resources for you. So the first one is www.financialsolutions.suzyorman.com And the Susie is spelled S-U-Z-E. The second one is www.lawdepot forward slash online dot forms forward slash livingtrust.com the third one is www.rocketlawyer.com forward slash livingtrust.com. California's own living revocable trust online that is free is eforms.com for living dash trust forward slash ca forward slash California dash revocable dash living dash trust dash form forward slash dot com so what can i do to kind of assist you i can help you just understand that a living revocable trust is important to protect us to protect our assets to protect our children to protect our medical decisions so I am a notary public and I can notarize living revocable trust for you to safe keep and store your estate. Um, if you're interested and, and you're here in the state of California, you can email me at veterannotaryejg at gmail.com 
or call my business phone at 951-430-4339. So I still want to talk to you a little bit more about these living revocable trusts. So there are some states that people, you know, they say, I'm not sure yet, although I highly recommend a living revocable trust. You can go on your state website and see if your state allows you to transfer on death deeds for real estate. There are only certain states that allow that, not all states. So that is an alternative called a transfer on death deed or beneficiary deed, a TOD. It's like a regular deed used to transfer real estate with a crucial difference. It doesn't take effect until your death. So it's not like a living revocable trust. Again, that covers your property estate, that covers your living wishes, how you wish your medical to be handled, any children involved, any hair loans. This does not do that. So for further information on TOD deeds, transfer on death deeds, I'm only going to tell you what states can use a transfer on death deed. So I'm just going to name some of those off. And like I said, I recommend that you go to your state and see what that is. So the states that allow a transfer on death deed is Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, the District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Dakota, Texas, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and the last one is Wyoming. Other states do not allow this type of deed. So if you try to leave property in another state by deed at your death, it will not work. For example, if you sign a deed transferring your house to your children and stick it in your desk drawer, knowing that they'll find it there after your death. Say you're saying, I'll put it in this safe place. The deed won't have any effect. A deed is not a valid substitute for will or that living revocable trust that has more power, which must be signed in front of a witness, such as a new republic. So unless the state law specifically allows it, and I just outlined some of those states there to you, when you can simply create a trust, a living trust to avoid probate, you must decide who to name as your successor trustee. Think about those. What family member is important to you to do that? It's an important decision. This is the person who will take charge of the trust assets after your death. Or sooner, someday, become incapacitated and unable to manage those things yourself. I know for me, I've thought about that and how I want to be handled. Even as I'm older. 
how I am taken care of and managed. Those medical decisions are important and who I appoint for me is important. It's common to choose a spouse, a grown child, or a close friend. But you may have questions that give you pause and you're wondering, would your spouse be up to the task? That should be a topic to discuss. And if you name one of your children, which one? You can think about which one of your children might take care of you a little bit better. And which one is a little consumed with other things and they might be busy or a little self-absorbed and not sure how to manage. That might not be the child to make those decisions for you. Or should you make all of them a co-trustee and hope they get along? We've heard about that. I've heard that there were co-trustees and unfortunately, of course, if there's many siblings, they did not get along. And so one may have made one decision, another one was mad at that decision, and it just had a ripple effect. Okay? So let's talk about what the successor trustee does. First, you need to have an idea of what the successor trustee will be called upon to do. Remember that you're managing your living trust assets until you're unable to do so. When you can't, the successor trustee steps up to manage and eventually distribute the assets. So if you become incapacitated, a trustee who takes over the reins of the trust before your death must manage and invest trust assets and spend trust money on your behalf. So trustees, you know, they must be honest. Um, Think of somebody who you know is honest for you and can keep the trust assets separate from their own. They must also follow the state law, which may require investing trust assets in a diversified way. Um, The responsibility could last for years, depending on the situation. If it did, the trustee would have to file annual income tax returns on behalf of the trust. Okay, Um, something you don't have to do when it's your own revocable living trust when you're alive. You don't have to do that. So it makes a lot of decisions about investments and spending. The trustee could use trust to pay for necessary professional help, but the job can be a lot of work. If, however, the trustee takes compensation from the trust assets, You know, other family members could complain, but if that trustee is doing what they can financially from the trust to take care of that family member, then that's what they are appointed the trustee for. So after your death, um, a simple probate avoidance living trust isn't designed to keep going after your death, okay? Um... So living trust, living trust will help protect you and your assets. So the trustee's job is simply to identify, gather, and safeguard the trust assets and then distribute them to the people who inherit them as the trust document directs. The trustee may also need to work with the executor of your state to pay your final income taxes. Um, and handle assets that weren't held in the trust. And of course, the trustee of your living trust may also be the executor. 
So this is not as complex as it sounds. Once you look at those websites that I gave you, it will spell it out for you and make it easy and simplified and you'll feel more um, safe and secure knowing that you have a living revocable trust. They are documents already in place for you. It's simply appointing names there. Who you want to handle what? Who receives what? How do they receive it? And then getting it notarized. So if like, you know, most people, you choose your spouse, your grown children, or wrap of simple living trust, things would probably work out fine. Commonly, the job takes, you know, some time to sit down and do and to name the successor trustee, okay? But of course, you know, things depend on how unique your family circumstances are. Um, sometimes it's difficult for a surviving spouse who is grieving to take care of you um, to take on the responsibility of the trust. So, and if you entrust one of your children, you want to be sure that child is honest, detail-oriented, fair, and a good communicator. The person you choose doesn't need to be a financial expert. It's all spelled out. It's all there. But they must be able to find good, honest advisors to help with taxes or other matters, especially when you're leaving a state property behind. So a family member who I says has good judgment and tact and could be excellent trustee, okay? To me, no outsider will really understand family dynamics. No judge that knows me could understand my family dynamics better than me, including such things of long-standing, you know, understanding personalities with your children, uh, family businesses. So it's important to have that living revocable trust done where you're alive. So the document, you know, preparation clients are usually surprised at the ease of having their own living trust prepared and are always relieved when it has been finalized. Um, it can be finalized within a matter of a couple hours or even sooner than that. It's usually one document and the answers to a few basic questions. It has many pages to get your revocable living trust prepared once and for all. So usually some questions that you want to have in mind is what property do you want to put into your living trust? Real estate is usually the single largest asset put into the living trust to avoid probate. You'll need a deed so a new deed can be prepared transferring your home or land into your living trust. If you can't find your deed, we will get it. You know, you can find ways of getting it. Um, sometimes I can help you look up your county to see what was filed to help you get it. Sometimes people have um, the proceeds of their financial accounts, you know, all put in a safe place. Um, Who will be your successor trustee? You want to think about that person and who that person would be. This is the person in charge of distributing your assets after your death, okay? Uh, they'll also be the person acting on the behalf in financial and legal matters if you should become unable to. You can name more than one person to work together. You can name alternates if the first person is unable to help. 
Um, you want to think about who are your beneficiaries. These are the people or organizations who you want to leave your property to. You can leave them a specific dollar amount or percentage of your estate. Who are your alternative beneficiaries in case your first choice dies before you? Um, you want to think about who will be the custodian. A custodian manages the property left to any beneficiaries um, who are minors only, who is when you would need a custodian. At what age would your minor beneficiaries receive the remainder of their share? Um, many people don't want their young children to get the bulk of their estate until they're 21, 25 years old or older. So you want to make sure that is spelled out and named out. Um, who will be the guardian of your minor children if one is needed? In other words, who do you choose to raise them until they reach adulthood? Who will be your health care agent? Um, if you're unable to communicate medical decisions to your doctor, who do you want to name to communicate on your behalf? Again, who do you choose as an alternate if your forced choice is unable? So these are questions that you can sit down and write down and just kind of reflect to yourself and think about who would I put in those positions as I name in my living revocable trust? And then once you've thought about those questions there that I pretty much just had you kind of brainstorm as you heard me read out the questions, you can just kind of write those down. And then as you start your living revocable trust, it'd be easy to place those names in there. So I hope this segment was beneficial to you and enjoyable to you. This is the first segment, and I felt that this is an important segment to open with and to kind of talk to many individuals out there as you listen out there today. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you've gained some knowledgeable information because for me, it is important information. And share, share it with others, and please come back and listen to Personal Life Coach 2. Thank you.